Welcome to my first podcast broadcast from Key West, Florida. The date today is February 25, 2022, and I am so happy to be broadcasting today from Key West. It's about 80, maybe 85 degrees in the sun. It is just blazing warm here, especially when compared to where I just came from, which was Minneapolis, Minnesota, or La Crosse, Wisconsin. But in any case, I'm so happy to be here in Key West, and uh, my first of five podcasts is going to feature Ernest Hemingway in Key West from the period 1928 until 1931. And uh, these podcasts will uh, be in two or three year segments just because of so much that was happening in his life. He was so prolific then, he didn't exactly publish his best work in the 1930s, but he published a lot of it, especially with the help of a very diligent and great editor and his second wife named Pauline. So here we go, everybody. I hope you enjoy this. And let's start here. And you may hear sirens in the background. Uh, That happens here in Key West. Uh, Lots of people here right now. It's the peak season. So uh, if you hear a little background noise, it's just typical Key West noise in February. My original plan was to visit Key West and then Cuba at the end of May, uh, May of 2020. But I was marooned in Paris. You know, I know, I know Paris is a hard place to be marooned, but I was toughing it out, eating French baguettes in the morning and sipping red Bordeaux wine at night. The deadly coronavirus had shuttered the stores and closed the streets of France from mid-March until mid-June. Thankfully, the European Union allowed travel among its member countries, just as the United States permitted travel among its states. For this reason, after June 15 of 2020, which I can't believe it, it was almost two years ago, my copain, my partner, and I hit the road. In addition to going to the Noir Valley in southern France, and the middle of France, really, we visited Amsterdam in the Netherlands, we went to Madrid and Pamplona later in September. I even took a trip by myself to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. Hemingway called this lovely little city the prettiest city in Spain. By the time Ernest and Pauline set sail on their 18-day voyage in the second half of March 1928, they were happy to be leaving Europe. The trip from La Rochelle to Havana on the Orita was long and uncomfortable. Paris had lost much of its luster. The exchange rate was no longer as favorable and Ernest didn't have many friends left after his divorce from Hadley. And many of his remaining friends became wary of him. After all, he had betrayed several of them in the book The Sun Also Rises. People like Harold Loeb, his partner Kitty Cannell, and the wonderful Lady Duff Twisden. When I say wonderful, I mean she had a wonderfully magnetic personality, and she turned heads in the Uh, in the taverns and cafes of Paris in the late 20s. Well, Lady Duff Twisden and others kept their distance from Hemingway because he had kind of blasted them and made fun of them in, in the book. And they knew exactly who they were, even though the names were disguised. Just as well, though, Ernest wanted to come back to America. He yearned to hunt and fish again in northern Michigan. Plus, Pauline missed her parents 
who were big landowners and business people in Piggott, Arkansas, which is in the very northeast part of Arkansas. Pauline was six months pregnant with her first child. The baby, Gregory, actually the baby, the first child was Patrick, was born and was due in June. It was time for Ernest and Pauline to have a change of scenery. Their friend, the writer John Dos Passos, had recommended they check out the Florida Keys, especially the southernmost city of Key West. Dos Passos had once hitchhiked through the region, and Key West was almost an island, he wrote Ernest, saying, the air smelt of the Gulf Stream. After spending two nights in Havana, the Hemingways made their way by peninsular and occidental steamship bound for Key West, only 90 or 100 miles north of Havana, and they arrived in, April, in early April of 1928. Earnings from Hadley's trust fund were small in comparison to Pauline's. Plus, her uncle Gus made sure they always had money to pay the rent on their fancy apartment at Six Rue de Rue in Paris. And you got to know that Pauline's family had real money. It had, they had big money from their successful pharmaceutical corporations and real estate businesses. Hemingway knew that if he stayed with Pauline, he would never have to worry about finances again. When Pauline's Uncle Gus learned that the couple was planning to go to Key West, he was magnanimous. He purchased a brand new Ford Roadster for them. It was a belated wedding gift, he said, and if all went according to plan, the car should be waiting for them when they arrive in Key West. When Ernest and Pauline finally got to Key West, they discovered why Dos Passos was so enthused about Key West. Everywhere they went, there were tropical grounds and gardens with bright-colored purple and white bougainvillea flowers. Yellow medallion flowers adorned the cassia trees. Almond trees, lime trees, coconut palms lined the streets. Exotic birds could be seen walking around freely, and green iguanas and chickens roamed the alleys. Hemingway could fish from the city dock or go out in a boat with his new friend, Charles Thompson. Pauline and Charles's wife, Lorene, instantly became friends. My favorite Hemingway biographer is Michael Reynolds, and he said this about Hemingway when he arrived in Key West. When he wasn't writing, he was fishing in the afternoon off the city docks or along the low wooden bridges connecting Key West to Boca Chica Key. As with everything else on the island, saltwater fishing was a new experience for Hemingway. As soon as he saw young boys pulling in grunts on hand lines, he realized that all he knew about trout fishing was largely useless, for here the fish feeding on the tide would have no use for a coachman dry fly. He quickly replaced his bamboo fly rod and casting rod with a saltwater reel and a bait bucket to carry live shrimp or fresh mullet. And that comes from Hemingway, The Homecoming, authored by Michael Company in 1992. This was the paperback version of the book. So, all of Key West appealed to Hemingway. The fishing, bars, rhomba music, boxing, the informal lifestyle. Key West's humidity and heat could be suffocating, especially during the summer but Ernest became enchanted with the laid-back lifestyle. Pauline was on board, too, even though she would have preferred the fashion and museums and cultural opportunities of a larger city. 
She wanted to be wherever Ernest was happy. Having Lorene Thompson as a friend helped her come to grips that Key West was soon to become their future home. The Hemingways spent six weeks in Key West as Pauline's delivery date neared. Her father, Paul, arrived by train to Key West to accompany Ernest to Arkansas in Ernest's new Ford Roadster. On May 20, Pauline boarded the train to Pigott. Five days later, Ernest and Paul left Key West and they began their six-mile, 1,400-mile journey, much of it on dirt and gravel roads. By that point, he had already written the first 200 pages of A Farewell to Arms. Two weeks before Pauline's delivery date, the Heming Hemingways left for Kansas City, where they stayed with Ernest's relatives. Patrick was born in Kansas City on their way to Arkansas. After an excruciating period of long and painful labor, Pauline's nine-pound baby was delivered by cesarean section, with Ernest looking on. The episode helped him craft the unforgettable ending to A Farewell to Arms. The Hemingways returned to Europe in May 1929, with their apartment at Six Rue Rue once again became their home base. Accompanied by Pauline's eccentric, and yes, she was a lesbian, sister, Jenny, and also Uncle Gus Pfeiffer, Ernest returned to Pamplona while Pauline remained in Paris. In December, they went skiing in Gestad with the Murphys, Fitzgeralds, and John Dos Passos. But Key West beckoned. Just a side note here, um, many people believe that Ernest may have had an affair with Pauline's sister, Jenny, but it didn't, become, didn't take too long before Ernest realized that Jenny preferred women to men, although it's not really sure if she was exclusively devoted to women after her younger days of trying to identify her own sexual identity. But it's important to note that later in 1938 and 39, when Pauline and Ernest were having big fights and their marriage was crumbling, that Jenny was always in Pauline's ear. And by this time, Pauline and Jenny, or rather Ernest and Jenny were not friendly. It's fair to say that Jenny detested her he detested Ernest, and the feeling was mutual. Back to 1930, though. Ernest and Pauline arrived back in Key West on February 2, 1930, and moved into their third temporary home. Again, with the help of Lorene Thompson, who had now become Pauline's closest friend, they found a large frame house on Pearl Street. Hemingway began his, full, his bullfight book, Death in the Afternoon, in March, and friends like John and Katie Dos Passos and Archibald and Ada McLeish, they paid visits to them in April. In July, the Hemingways pulled up stakes again and headed for the Albar Tea Ranch in northwest Wyoming. When they finally returned to Key West the following January, Ernest was hurting. He was in a sling. He had badly injured his riding arm in a car wreck near Billings, Montana and he broke his arm between the elbow and the shoulder. And to put it together, they needed to use some kangaroo tendons to uh, mend his left arm. And the recovery process was long and uh, excruciating. In 1931, they rented a home, their fourth temporary residence on the corner of United and Whitehead Streets, near the southernmost point in the continental United States. The Hemingways had rarely stayed anywhere for long. 
but that changed on April 29, 1931. Pauline, two months pregnant, was thrilled to finally have a permanent place to call home. Once again, her uncle Gus stepped up. He gener generously contributed $8,000 to buy the home. When the deed passed to the Hemingways, earning, Ernest was earning royalties from A Farewell to Arms, which was published in 1929. But even with the royalties, Ernest still needed money. And it came from Pauline and her family to support his new lifestyle. Royalties from his breakout novel, you might remember, in 1926, the novel was called The Sun Also Rises, he gave them all to Hadley and to his firstborn son, John, otherwise known as Jack, or when he was younger, he was known as Bumby. Now, as we come to the end of this podcast, uh, let's finish out what happened in 1931 in Key West and, uh, and the rest of the year. So, at first, Pauline and Ernest were happy when they arrived in Key West in 1928. But before, before finally settling into the house on Whitehead at the end of 31, they had bounced from one temporary residence to another. When they had first arrived in April of 28, they had taken up residence, you remember, at the Trevor and Morris apartment. It was the building at 314 Simonton Street, which is only about three blocks uh, away from where I'm recording this broadcast right now. Um, in November, after Patrick was born, that's November of 1928, they returned to Key West, where Pauline's best friend had found their, the house for them, at 1100 South Street. It was here that this house, on the Atlantic side of the island, that he began the task of revo revising the war book. He wrote his friend, Owen Wister, that it was Key West, quote, that I had the best and worked the best. Unfortunately, he had hardly settled in back in 1928 when his father committed suicide. Let me read a small passage here from what happened just before Ernest and Pauline set sail. And I'll end with this. Um, and this was the Skylight Incident. And Ernest wrote er, uh, a letter to his publisher, Max Perkins, on March 17, 1928. And um, this incident in 1928 uh, was the, uh, it was kind of the epiphany Hemingway needed to break out of a writer's block and he hurt himself, as you'll see in a moment. And uh, Pauline kidded him later that if it took a hit on the head to get him to shake out of his writer's block, that he ought to be bled more often. And Hemingway referred to this in his letter uh, to Max Perkins. And this is dated March 17, 1928. And here he said, It was the skylight in the toilet. A friend had pulled the cord that raised it instead of pulling the chain of the toilet and cracked the glass so that when I tried to hook up the cord, going into the bathroom around 2 a.m. and seeing it dangling, the whole thing fell. He's, we stopped the hemorrhage with 30 thicknesses of toilet paper. Left parentheses, it's a magnificent absorbent, when I, which I've now used twice for that purpose, in pretty much emergencies. Right parentheses. And I've used it as a tourniquet of a kitchen towel and a stick of kindling wood. The first two tourniquets wouldn't stop it due to being too short, and I was rather worried as we had no telephone and no chance of getting a doctor at 2 a.m., and there were two little arteries cut above the, uh, but the third held, the third tourniquet it is, and it very well, and it held very well, and we went out to Nui 
to the American hospital where they fixed it up, tying the arteries, putting in three stitches underneath, and six to close it. No after effects, but a damn nuisance. I am writing since two weeks that I thought was only a story, but it goes on and it goes wonderfully. Side note to listeners here, that was the beginning of A Farewell to Arms. But this next book has to be good. The thing for me to do is write, but it may be better not to publish until I get the right one. I should have gone to America two years ago when I planned. I was through with Europe and needed to go to America before I could write the book that happened there, but I didn't go. But now have suddenly a great kick out of the war and all the things and places, and it has been going very well. My wife says that she will see that I'm bled just as often as I can write. Judging by the way it's been going this last week, hope to be able to work on the boat. That's on the boat to Cuba and then on to Key West. If I find I've any readers in America, we'll have to change my name. Hemingway's using his wry humor there. So there you have it, folks. Um, the next podcast will feature 1932 and 1933. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, it uh, brings me great pleasure that it has come to you from, uh, from Key West. And I hope you'll tune in to the next podcast and that you are enjoying listening to these as much as I am. I have enjoyed bringing them to you. Have a great day wherever in the world you may be. Abiento and au revoir.